listener production. Kick Bump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kick Bump Podcast, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another Kick Bump episode. I'm Steph, and across from me, I have the lovely Mandy. Hello. Hello. Good to be back. Oh, it's good to have you back, and it's good to be back. We have got a really awesome episode ahead of us with a bit of a pro when it comes to podcasts. Mm. But before we get into today's chat, I will give a little bit of a Harvey update. So I feel like one day my updates will not include talking about his sleep, but for now, <laughs> he's a toddler, <laughs> though. Like, you're forgiven. The, the main update in your life is going to be, he slept last night. He didn't sleep last night. He slept last night. So what happened last night? <laughs> so, I mean, last night, well, this morning he woke up quite early because he'd, he'd done a big, big poo. So Lovely. fair enough. No Beautiful. one wants to sleep in that. But um, no, what we've been doing, and I've kind I've gone quiet on socials about it because I'm just trying to work things out for myself before mm. trying to share every little bit with everyone. Because it can be anyone that's done any sort of sleep training or moving around with sleep routines, it can be really stressful mm. um, because it just takes up a whole lot of your, it's like my mental load oh, is yeah. just stuffed full of his sleep. But also <laughs> like if your sleep is compromised, yeah. you just become less like a shell of a human yeah. at yeah. times. So you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but so basically he's at that age where, you know, a lot of people, a lot of you guys have slid into my DMs and said, he's ready for one nap. He's ready for one nap. Like that's what's, what's happening. And I think a part of me does believe that he is possibly getting to the point where he's ready to transition to one day nap instead of two. Mm. But he hasn't been getting long enough stretches overnight um, to kind of compensate for less sleep in the day yeah, okay. quite yet. And then someone I'm sure will argue, well, that's because he's sleeping so much in the day. So, you know, <laughs> it's a kind of a, like every, exactly. Yeah. And and so many mm. people do it differently and every baby's different and even every sleep coach or whatever, they're all they all say different things. But um I talked to Sleep by Steph. She's helped me from the beginning. Is that you? No, I know <laughs> it sounds like No, 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 Sleep by Steph. Um she's great. She taught me all the foundations from the beginning, like, you know, dark room and kind of removing a lot of um things that people think you need that you don't necessarily need and just trying to make sleep back to basic. Instead of doing, oh, it has to be white noise. Yeah, all playing. that sort of stuff. Like what, yeah. what you were saying last time about the um, the temperature has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, temperature is a thing that she does push for because <laughs> oh, okay. if babies are too cold, they will wake up. But yeah. she's been really, really helpful. And I think for my own my own stubbornness, <laughs> I didn't reach out to her for a while when, I, when we were like working through these transitions with Harvey. And then it just got to the point where I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I just was like, no shame in oh, reaching out. I feel like I'm going to be the type of person that'll ask for help before I even need it. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, you know what? Just help me yeah. because I don't even want to know what it's like yeah. to go through the struggle. Exactly. So. And so after speaking to her from the trip with Byron and then trying to transition to one nap a little bit early, he's kind of been in this overtired state for too long now. And so he's not quite ready for that one nap because he needs to have really decent stretches mm. overnight before we can start to do that. And so he's been going to bed between 5.30 and 6 o'clock every night, which is oh. early, Yeah, but also great. Yeah. And not then doesn't he sleep through to like 6? Yeah, so he sleeps through till like 5.30, 5.45. So he's getting like 12 hours yeah. overnight, which is really great. And I think 
And and the idea is to eventually be able to kind of stretch out a little bit of that. What? How yeah. long do they need? Like 14 hours? It's like a dog. <laughs> I need well, like 17 again, hours sleep to be able to totally. reduce the nap. Every baby's really different. Like some of my friends, their babies sleep fine with 11 hours stretch overnight. Um, and that's kind of where Harvey's been at. But we have noticed that he is on the tired side okay. when he wakes up in the morning and when he wakes up from his nap. So 11 hours isn't quite enough for him wow. to be super happy baby. <laughs> yeah. Imagine us getting 11 hours sleep. I know. What a dream. I know. So anyway, just working <laughs> through that at the moment. He's yeah. obviously still early rising because it's in a bit of a transition, but he is getting these really long stretches. So I believe next week we will slowly transition to one nap and that I'm sure will be a bit of a process. Everyone says it's a bit of a process. Mm. So you know what? I think I almost promised that this would be my last sleep update, but absolutely <laughs> won't because I know for the next keep on episode. I can't wait for the toilet training stage because that's when you're going to be like, okay, guys, we thought we were getting progress. 100%. <laughs> We've gone 100%. back a step. And I know last episode I gave a bit of an update on myself as well with my hair situation. Oh, yeah. How's that going? I mean, it's getting hairier. Getting... It is what it is. I've <laughs> Less... got a bun today and you can see I've got a bit of a curly mullet happening at the back and I've just given up caring. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. But no, this is um it is to do with me, but I just wanted to put it out there. If anyone else is on the marina, which is an IUD to you know contraceptive. Contraceptive. Yep. Um I got onto that really early because I was like terrified of getting pregnant. Not terrified of getting pregnant, that's <laughs> yeah, bad. But yeah. like we got pregnant fairly quickly. Yeah. And so I and I've heard all these things about after having a child, you're like super I don't know fertile. If it's, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. heard that. I don't know if it's true, yeah. but I've heard it. And um and I've had friends who have gotten pregnant. I mean we know Ash Pollard. Yes, within <laughs> what, four quick. months? Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It's been over a year on it and there's still some kind of like inconsistencies and in like how regular my period is mm. or like the symptoms around it and stuff and it's kind of annoying me and a few people have DM'd me to say, just go get checked out. Sometimes it's just one of those annoying side effects to these kind of things mm. and it's like whether or not you can deal with it. Maybe there's another option. So I suppose I just wanted to get on here and talk about it because um, I am going to go get checked out and just see if like everything's all good because I've heard that by a year it, you should have kind of regulated by that point. Yeah, I feel like it's such, I mean, periods being regular is such a… Oh, no, I don't yeah, mean like no, super I know, regular, but, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like zero, it's not like what my period was. Yeah, okay. For yourself, you know, it's, for not, myself, it's not regular to what it used to be. Yes, Fair yes, enough. yes, yeah, yes. So it, I just want to empower anyone who's like on some sort of contraception that doesn't feel right. Like just go get checked out and just know there's other options because, yeah, it's it's one of those funny and annoying things. But And it can take up to, it, yeah, it can honestly take like a year, even more for some people. Yeah. But whenever you change any kind of, like coming off the pill, going on the pill. 100%. That's why they say not to like go on and off frequently. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah. I'm sure it will work itself out. Hopefully it does. So today's episode, as I touched on, we have got a podcast pro. We've got Sophie Walker, who is the host and founder of Australian Birth Stories, a fantastic podcast. She has had over 8.6 million downloads to her podcast. Basically, she sits down with women and has a safe and open conversation and lets them just open up about their pregnancy, birth, and a little bit beyond. But it is really, really helpful to learn and understand how many different ways a baby can be born. Yeah, wow. And leading up to my pregnancy, I found it so helpful listening to other people's stories. And you've been a guest on her podcast before. I have been a guest. I think <laughs> Harvey was only two or three weeks old when I went and spoke to Sophie. And as I mentioned, she's just 
it was I just felt so safe to be so open and go into so much detail. Mm. Um, so yeah, she's she's really amazing, and she's she's got more than the podcast. She's got birthing classes, breastfeeding guides, and she's actually just released a book that's coming out called The Complete Australian Guide to Pregnancy and Birth, which we touch on in the podcast. So she's got. A lot of wisdom from, you know, the hundreds of conversations she's had. And I think you guys will find this podcast very insightful. Sophie Walker, welcome to the Kickpot. I feel so feel so strange being reversed now after after being on your podcast. Yeah, we're turning the tables. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Have you been in many interviews where you're not the interviewer? Not very often. I've done a few. I actually just released my first birth experience the other day and um, my friend Jody, who I've written our book with, she interviewed me. So it's definitely weird being on the other side. Well, I'm very, very, very excited to be on this side of the table. Um, and I would highly recommend everyone to go and listen to your birth story. So that's the first of three. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, episode 329 is my first birth experience, which kind of paved the way for the whole podcast. And the very first episode is my second birth, which was my best birth. So when you say it paved the way for your podcast, do you mind explaining that a little bit? You don't have to go into birth story, but what was it about that that made you start your podcast? I think I just, in my first birth, I really lost my way. Um, yeah, because it was so long. And I went in with a real sense of confidence, thought I can do this. I've watched all the, you know, one born every minute. And I was really excited for the challenge of labour. And then um, when I I basically got, in a nutshell, you have to listen in detail, but mm. I kind of got stuck at five centimetres after 24 hours and I threw in the towel basically. And um, so going into my second birth, I thought I, I need to mentally prepare. I think I thought I was prepared and I wasn't. So I just absorbed every birth story I could get my hands on during that second pregnancy. And I didn't find at that time many Australian resources and there weren't, um, podcasts were kind of new in Australia. So I was listening to American ones and I thought, oh, it'd be lovely to hear Australian Mm. ones with the same kind of medications we use and the hospitals and and the systems that we know and use. Um, So I recorded my second birth after it was like five hours and a dream my most difficult child, but my easiest birth. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I, yeah, I recorded it having no idea that it would um, become as successful as it has and so well loved in the community. So it's, um, yeah, really special, but that's kind of how it evolved. I've got a girlfriend who's been listening to your podcast for, I want to say like three years. She hasn't had a child yet. Um, I think they're possibly thinking about trying soon, but she's just so fascinated by everything. And when I became pregnant, she recommended your podcast. And I was so excited because I, I'm i not like so much of a reader. I do love reading, but I'm, I'm more into like fiction books. And so I tried to read through some birth books, but I found a lot of them were quite uh, either polarizing in kind of what you should do or shouldn't do. And I just kind of got a little bit confused. And so what I found really helpful with your podcast, exactly as you said, was just listening to a variety of stories and trying to understand all the different kind of ways things can go down. And I found a lot of comfort in that. Is that something that you get a lot from your listeners kind of feedback? Yeah. And I think it's like the most ancient form of wisdom to share stories. Mm -hmm. And it's a very relaxed format like your show is. Um, But it feels, I think people feel like they're sitting down at the table having a cup of tea and hearing somebody share their story. And I think as kind of society's gotten busier and we're all working more and you know, everything's changing, there's less opportunity to sit down and hear those stories. And so in a way, we've kind of created a virtual village so you can kind of still absorb that knowledge and 
And as you say, every variety I've tried really hard. I know there are, I feel like you've touched on, there's books that are just all home birth and mm. low intervention and I'm only doing this and I'm only listening to positive stories and I'm blocking my ears to anything negative and I've deliberately steered away from that and captured the greatest variety that I can get my hands on so that everybody feels seen and heard mm. and can kind of learn from every scenario. So when your birth perhaps takes a turn that you're not expecting, you think, oh, I remember that um, that woman that I listened to, and people say that to me afterwards, I suddenly remembered that lady when she said she was being wheeled off for an emergency cesarean, she asked if she could use her own baby blanket and have, the, have her own music playing or something, and it feels like it kind of comes back to them in that um, kind of time of need and they can draw on other people's experiences, even if it's not going the way that they'd hoped. Oh, 100%. It can be so isolating, and I think it's, it is really special how many stories you've you've shared both really, really positive and everything's kind of gone to plan and gone how they imagined or super positive but not to plan or, you know, quite traumatic but super thankful for the end result. And then some that it was traumatic and they still feel that way, even though obviously they're in love with their child, but it was, they still have this outlook on their birth that they're really unhappy with and that's totally fair. And I just love that you share that variety because there's just something for everyone, which is super special. Yeah. I'm I feel like the majority of my listeners are second-time mums. Like, it's fantastic you saying your friend's listening before she has her baby. It's like gold standard. <laughs> I hope that over time that people are in that position mm. and then they don't have to have a traumatic birth to come to the podcast and try and have a um, yeah more successful or healing experience. One, two, three, four, three. So with the variety of stories that you've received, has there been any that... Has there been any kind of commonalities that you've seen in the stories that have been shared? Yeah, I think um, I think women that have found their birth more traumatic, and I think you've touched on some of your other episodes on the podcast about birth trauma, how one in three women experience birth trauma, which is so sad and alarming, and I feel like I'm one of those as well. Um, I think the biggest kind of hurdle or kind of commonality, I guess, yeah, is that they didn't feel that they were prepared for all the things that could have happened. Um, like they went in with perhaps a birth plan of I don't want intervention or or maybe they did want intervention, but then they didn't think further if if something changed. And birth is so unpredictable and every labour and every baby is so different. So even if you've had one experience, going in assuming you'll have the same one again um, is just definitely not a kind of great mindset to go in with. So I think the commonality is probably that they've, yeah, they haven't kind of allowed for, for option B and C. Mm. And then when that's a reason, they've kind of panicked. And I felt like I did that in my own. I was like, oh, well, stuff it. I didn't, um, I've done everything. I've used all my bag of tricks and now I'm not playing. And um, so that was the kind of hurdle I wanted to get over for the subsequent second and third births. And I think, yeah, really exploring the other options. And if I did have to have a cesarean, even if I'm hoping I don't, these are the things that I'd like to have in place to make it as special as possible and things like that. Love it. And and yeah, I think touching back on how I mentioned that I was listening to your podcast before and I think what was really special for me is being a listener, I, I took so much and was educated on all this different stuff, but then also getting to come on the podcast and share my story felt really, really special to me as well. Um, you know, I mean, that's something that I can go back and listen to whenever and I'm sure there's other guests who have kind of given you that feedback for, I mean, thank you for allowing the space for those kind of conversations because I think it's something that I, I want to say we're kind of 
on our way out of it being a taboo kind of topic, more women are more open about speaking about their birth story. Obviously, within reason, if someone's gone through a super traumatic birth story, like we never want to pressure someone into having to open up about it. But I think what your podcast has done has made this incredible big space of allowing it to just be a normal conversation. I found myself, and I honestly think it was because I was used to hearing so many women's birth stories from your podcast. I found myself talking to friends, both male and female, like to near detail of my birth, (laughs) whether they asked for it or not. I just felt so comfortable because it's like in my mind, I'd just become so comfortable in hearing other people's stories. And I think that's really important and really special. I think people think you forget the pain until you have the first contraction of the subsequent labour. You're like, oh, I remember. (laughs) But you don't forget the details. And Mm. I think you don't. I feel like sometimes people say, oh, I just need to write it down now before I forget. And you just don't forget. It's like such a seminal moment in your life. Mm. And the little details do come back. And I feel like when I interview these women, they're perhaps sometimes a bit nervous at the start. And then they find their flow and they go right back in. And my mum's a psychologist and I feel like I'm sometimes feel like I've done therapy with people and they've gone there and I'm like, now just really be kind to yourself for the rest of the day, particularly if it was a traumatic story, because they've really gone and experienced those emotions all over again. And often they'll cry and I often cry too. Mm. (laughs) And um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a really, really kind of touching and vulnerable space. I didn't know that about your mum. And I think that makes so much sense because you did really create a safe space during those conversations. Yeah, and I think kind of less is more. I really just hold back. And I think sometimes people say, oh, I could almost see you biting your tongue then with certain things because <laughs> over the years they've kind of come to understand what my philosophies are. But I'm, it's very important to me that I don't share that in every episode or um, create any sense of judgment because I want people to feel comfortable to really share how it was for them. And I think that's, that's what people love about the show. Oh, absolutely. It's something I love about it. And with the stories, I mean, every single birth story is super special, obviously, to every unique individual. But has there been any kind of memorable stories that have been shared with you? If you've got one that comes to mind that um, you don't have to go into their birth story, but yeah. what was it that was so memorable for you? I think probably one of my top favourites and one of the most popular ones that people tell me they've listened to three or four times is with Jody, who I do a lot of work with and who I co-wrote the book with. Um, which is coming out in February. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we kind of, I interviewed her not knowing her at all and um, she shares her four birth experiences and it's episode 105. That's kind of ingrained in me. Um, but she's a yoga teacher and birth educator and she really imparts that knowledge throughout telling her story and she gives, she just sort of naturally says, oh, I was breathing like this and demonstrates how she used her breath and she uses a lot of sound and things. But the Perhaps one of the biggest kind of takeaways people have from that is she talks a lot about surrendering into birth and not doing labour but being in labour. And I think people kind of turn to that when they're post-expected due dates and they're like trying to get into a, a good mindset and she's like, yeah, every birth is different, every baby is different and you need to kind of let go and let labour come on or let your birth journey in this pregnancy unfold the way that it will and kind of get out of the way a bit. Think of a contraction in that all its energy is pulling down. Like all your energy needs to move down. Your baby needs to move down. Your breath needs to move down. And when we're scared and fearful, we kind of clench and resist and lift up. Whereas if we do fall down, you know, we're more likely to to kind of just relax into the contraction. So 
whenever I felt a contraction, I literally, I, I just squatted and I swayed and I would massage my hands over my belly moving downwards and I would, you know, look down at the ground and I would just really kind of push all that energy down. It's a beautiful mental mind shift and I think people really love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I admire yogis so much. I feel like they just, they're just they just living life right in yep. the, <laughs> the right mindset. Oh, that's beautiful. I have to, um, I have to go back and listen to yeah, that one. Exactly. So you touched on the book. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so it's called The Complete Australian Guide to Pregnancy and Birth. And you can head over to australianbirthstories.com forward slash book and that's where you'll find it. But it's a comprehensive guide and there really hasn't been one in Australia mm. for about the last 20, 25 years. I think there's a few kind of comical books and there's a lot. Most people kind of turn to the American, the classic American one. Is that the what to expect when you're expecting? Yeah, yeah I started to read it and because of all the American terms, I was like, no. Yeah, it's not relevant. <laughs> and it's got a certain style. So you either deal with it or you don't. And so with this book, we've tried to be as inclusive as possible. And throughout the book, we've woven in um, episodes of the podcast and Australian women's stories and all sorts of yeah, every type of birth you can think of. But throughout it, it's also a step-by-step. So this is what HG is and this is what, you know, the gestational diabetes test is. So it's really informative. It's, um, we keep joking, it's a bit of a doorstop. It might be too heavy for pregnant ladies to lift because we just wanted to include so much. But it's, um, yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait for everyone to get their hands on it. It sounds incredible. And I think it's actually funny. Um, I think the reason why I did resort in listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff like that is because, as you kind of touched on with the book situation, there's either some books that are really, really, really educational and kind of medical and hard to digest, or there's the really, really soft ones, but they're generally all around like hypnobirthing and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, if yeah. it doesn't fly with you, then it's probably not your thing. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to have a pretty good mix of both. And that's... Yeah going to be so useful to so many women. And the beautiful undertone of Jodie's yoga experience too, there are kind of gentle reminders to kind of breathe in and breathe out. And um, there's, yeah, it's not a yoga book as such. It's really a generalist pregnancy guide, but it's got a beautiful nurturing kind of hand-holding vibe throughout because um, the journey into motherhood really starts as soon as you find out you're pregnant. And Mm. it's a lot of kind of surrendering and letting go and embracing new things. So we've tried to kind of nurture you through that pregnancy so that you're prepared for postpartum and early motherhood. It's amazing. And so obviously anyone listening that's pregnant, I highly recommend getting your hands on that book. But if um, for the people that are kind of coming into their birth, maybe they're coming to the end of their third trimester and it's something that they're a little bit nervous about and they're really wanting to have a positive experience, is there anything that you could say to them to, I suppose, help that be a possibility? Yeah, I think there definitely is. And um, research shows that if you want to have a positive birth experience, you need two things. You need to be educated and um, aware of all the options. So understanding all the procedures and things that can unfold and then feeling like you can really make an educated choice for A, B or C. So say you want an epidural, you understand that that means you'll be probably on the bed and then these things will unfold. And I've had an epidural as well, so I'm not like anti-anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so just understanding those processes so you make an informed decision. And I think imparting that knowledge on your birth support team, because 
I know in my births I became quite um, nonverbal because you sort of go so inward towards the end and perhaps you can't say, actually, now I'd like this or like maybe I want hip squeezes now. So if your birth partner is aware of all the things that you want them to try as well, and I think that's why often people have doulas or why having a known care provider is fantastic as well because throughout the pregnancy you've imparted this knowledge of this is what I'm hoping for and these are the things that usually make me feel good, like I love being in water or I really like deep tissue massage kind of thing. Um, and the second point is having being heard and being understood and listened to during the birth. So even women who've had really traumatic births have said have come away feeling less traumatised or more in control because those things were adhered to. Like they felt like they understood all the things that were happening. They weren't kind of just carried along for the ride. They felt like that they really made choices and um, and were heard and really cared for in that hour of need kind of. So great. Such great advice. It's two things that I think I'd heard from your podcast and I made sure that I did. Um, and it did. It, it helped me kind of understand all the different options and, and birth didn't go to plan for me, but because I knew what they were talking about in the room, I could make those informed decisions. So I think that's incredible advice. And I would love to also touch on when you speak to most women, um, more often than not, it's quite early postpartum that you're chatting to them. And that's obviously like a huge part of, you know, birth that often hasn't been touched on is that postpartum period. And I love the way that you kind of lightly touch on it. You know, it's like you, there's this space for women to kind of speak as where they're currently at. I think Harvey was only like maybe three weeks old. Yeah, he was so young when you yeah. did it. Yeah. And I think um, I think that's really, really special and, and really cool. Have you found um, a commonality in, you know, when women are opening up to you in that early postpartum period? Um, has it ever made you want to kind of expand the chats or, or your podcast? Yeah, into more yeah. of the postpartum space. <laughs> yeah, I I find because most of my episodes are an hour and they're getting longer and longer. But um, I yeah, you can't capture everything. No, otherwise, we no. talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like, in the same kind of space, the conception is often a really long story for a lot of people, That's and true, it's a really yeah. challenging journey just to get pregnant. So um, I feel like either side, there's a lot of content that I can't kind of capture. Mm. Um, I've got, of course, Discovering Motherhood that talks about the first kind of six months-ish, but I feel like everybody says, you know, I did so much preparation for the birth and then, wow, postpartum mm. hit. And um, I've tried as best I can in other avenues to educate um, women about that, but I feel like there's a fine balance with that mm. because the first six weeks is so overwhelming. It's very delicate. That um, I remember my sister used to say, I used to, after she'd had her first, she'd say, oh, I saw pregnant women. I almost wanted to cry knowing that they had to go through the next six weeks and they had no idea. And there's kind of a balance of how much do you share mm. and how without kind of terrifying someone and then how much do you kind of knowledge do you impart so that they're not overwhelmed. But I think because those first six weeks are so much or most of the time behind closed doors, people don't see the kind of crying all night and the bleeding nipples and all those sorts of things. They just see somebody having coffee in a cafe feeding and looking quite confident. But, I mean, maybe it took them eight hours to get out of the house or, mm. or like four grandmas to help or, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I think, um, yeah, there's definitely an avenue for a lot more content and support there. But I feel like there's a real shift in society with that now as yeah. well. Like postpartum doulas, people are talking about more and I feel like everyone's becoming a bit more vocal and aware of how important that is. It's great because I feel like maybe, you know, back in the day where they talk about 
that village that would kind of be around a mother, that went through a period of not really existing because life became busy and we all wanted to go back to work and all that sort of stuff. And then it's like now we're in this space where the society has changed. So we can't necessarily have a village. We can't have our auntie and our mum and everyone staying with us all the time. But we can have things like food delivery services yeah. or doulas. And it's it's really great to um, – we had a doula on the Kick Bump podcast actually recently and it was so interesting to hear about it because it was something that I, I'd known about but I'd never looked into it enough to know how accessible they can be. Yeah. Like obviously there's different levels and but I didn't realise that. I thought it was something just celebrities got, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And when I was talking and understanding what's involved in that, I was like, wow, maybe second time around. Yeah. I might do that. That sounds nice. Particularly if you can't. Like they've shown that the best model of care for anyone is to have that continuity, to have a known care mm. provider, not only throughout the pregnancy care, but actually on the day at your birth. So if for whatever reason you can't have that, then a doula is a great bridging familiar face and knowing all the things you want like because a lot of people it's very very hard to get into the maternity model of care where you have your own midwife so if you've missed out on that it's a great bridging yeah 100% oh thank you so much for joining us Sophie I've really enjoyed chatting to you and thank you for doing everything that you do and keep doing it and congratulations on the new book that's so exciting thanks very much it was lovely Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Sophie. We will pop her information in the show notes. As always, I would love to finish off by mentioning that we have a Kick Bump Facebook community. So if you are looking for a virtual mothers group to find help, support and community, come over to Facebook and find our Kick Bump Facebook community. You are all more than welcome. And just a quick kick update as well. We've had some budget-friendly, family-friendly options uh, for recipes land into the app. So make sure you go check them out. If you aren't a Kick subscriber, we have a 14-day free trial. You can head to our website, keepitcleaner.com for more information information on kick and kick bump otherwise you can find us on the app store or google play store and i'll be back in your ears soon with lawsy for another kick pod episode and of course i'll be back in a fortnight for a kick